All right. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Geek Garage podcast. I'm your host, David, and joined with me, uh, as per usual, is my sexy co-host and my wife, Lindsay Dassaw. How are you doing? Pretty good. Yeah? Pretty good. Yep. Here. Cool. Yeah. Same. Today was uh, officially daylight savings time. And uh, I mean, aside from it just getting dark at like 2 p.m., it really didn't feel like, feel too different, right? Yeah, but I think that's just because we stayed home all day and did nothing. Yeah, which is, uh, that's basically my dream day right there. Yeah. I mean. We never have days like that. (laughs) No, it's usually surrounded by an intense amount of chaos that... We either planned for or didn't plan for, but regardless, chaos is there. And today was pretty chill, actually. Um, So that was kind of nice. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we are here today to talk about uh, the Adams Family and the Adams Family Values, which came out in 2000, or 2000, whoops, 1991 and 1993, respectively. Uh, and we are discussing these because, uh, I mean, aside from them just being amazing and hilarious films, the new Netflix uh, Wednesday series is coming out here pretty soon, later this month. Yes. And we wanted to kind of do something to prepare for that because both of us are very excited. Uh, we both kind of grew up with these movies, although it had been quite a while since I had seen either of these. Um, yeah, I forgot some of the major plot points me too uh i I think i watched uh family values um a couple or uh, uh, quite a bit more as a kid than i did um i i think it has maybe a little bit more for kids or like younger people like that they might be able to pick up on or laugh at maybe a little bit more slapstick um uh yeah but the second one um, is also a lot more sexual (laughs) like there's a lot more innuendo and a lot more violence in the second one which would explain why i was into it (laughs) (laughs) because i was a pervert i mean i still am but that's besides the point i'm surprised you got any of it (laughs) did someone explain it to you uh yeah i mean you'd be surprised at what i can figure out on my own i mean there's still a lot that i need you to explain to me but (laughs) (laughs) still (laughs) Um, but anyway, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into all that when we, when we come across, uh, that, that movie, cause we are going to do both today. Uh, we did kind of go back and forth on like, you know, should we split this up into two episodes or what? So, uh, we, we decided to do both of them in one episode, um, just because that's, uh, we had plenty more to do this month that or plenty more that we wanted to do during the month of, uh, November and, um, just breaking this out into two episodes was like, eh, might as well stick to maybe one, you know, longer than usual episode. Um, yeah. and, uh, with that said, I guess let's, let's get to it so we can bang this out. Um, quick Facebook poll, uh, I basically just uh, polled our listeners asking them uh, which of the which iteration of the Adams family they preferred more. Uh, I started out with the Adams family and the Adams family values and opened up the poll to um, let people put in their own um, selection. So if they wanted to do like the animated movie that came out, like whenever that was 2019. Yeah, I know it wasn't too long ago. Um, and then there's the, like the original, was it original movie or was it a... S- it's a television series okay. from the 1960s. Right. I remember the Munsters was a series, but I couldn't remember if uh, the Adams yeah, Family Yeah, they was actually uh, came out in kind of like competition to each other, the Munsters and the Right, yeah, that, that sounds familiar. Uh, but anyways, so... Uh, the Adams family won by 66%, uh, compared to family values by 34% and no one else put any other additions in. So, um, it is left at those two movies. So, um, yeah, there you have it. It seems like the, uh, the, the people have spoken that they prefer the original, 
uh, or the uh, original. I, I, I kind of agree. I kind of agree. Yeah, we'll we'll get into this in just a second, but yeah, I I tend to agree a little bit more. Um, so both of these films were directed by Barry Sonnefeld. Sonnefeld. I'm not exactly sure the pronunciation of his last name. Barry, I am uh, apologetic. Um, but yeah, he directed both of them. Um, for cast, we have Angelica Houston as Morticia, Raul Julia as Gomez, uh, Christopher Lloyd as Uncle Fester, Christina Ricci as Wednesday, Jimmy Workman as Pugsley, uh, Dan Hedia as Tully Alford, uh, Elizabeth Wilson as Abigail Craven, Judith uh, Molina as Granny, uh, Carl Strucken, Strucken, I'm so sorry, um, Carl, you, you're the man, this guy, uh, so he's Lurch, um, the, the tall Frankenstein's monster looking dude, um, this guy has been in a lot of shit, I, uh, at first I didn't even realize that this was him, um, but he's been in the last couple of, uh, things that Mike Flanagan has done, and he's been in a lot of, like, horror movie stuff, because, like, like, he's a good-looking dude, but he is, like, really tall and really lanky. Um, so he, like, he can play, like, that that weirdo role. Like, if you need someone that's, like, tall and, you know, just a little just a little odd-looking, he can play that guy. Um, <laughs> and he has. Um, we have Dana Ivey as uh, Margaret Alford. Uh, Paul Benedict as Judge Womack, the neighbor that kept on getting pelted by golf balls. Um, Christopher Hart as Thing, just the hand, and John Franklin as Cousin It. So, um, we are going to do kind of like a walkthrough like we did a couple episodes back with, um, with one of our Marvel rewatches. I think it was like Ant-Man and, uh, I forget the other one, but we actually kind of like stepped through the, the timeline of the movies. Uh, we're going to try it again, but I, I've kind of made like quick cliff note versions. Um, this is what I did today since it wasn't chaotic in the house. I was <laughs> actually able to bang this out. So, uh, so yeah. Um, so right before our title card, we are greeted by some merry Christmas carolers who presumably get 86 by the entire family. Uh, they just dump like a whole cauldron of, whatever on top of them and you know that's just our opening credit sequence so that was kind of fun um so i guess d does that make this movie like a christmas movie i mean there's really no other christmas themes that i can think of other than like that happening mm. so yeah because it skips ahead like a few months yeah, it like, seems like it i mean there's pretty much right away yeah there's no snow or anything i mean this could be in California so I mean the weather doesn't really matter necessarily but anyways um, so fairly quickly we are thrust into the plot of this movie where Gomez is still after 25 years uh, pining over the falling out between him and his brother Fester um, we also learn that every year on said anniversary they hold a seance an attempt to bring Fester back. Um, and tonight is, um, the like I said, the anniversary, and they will be performing a seance once again, in an attempt to try and bring him back or reach his spirit from the beyond. So It just kind of reminds me of, like, spiritualism, like, from, like, what was it, like, early 1900s, like, <laughs> I know like Abraham Lincoln's wife was like really into like spiritualism oh, yeah. <laughs> and like had seances at the White House and you can just invite whoever over and just like yeah we're gonna talk to some dead people right just <laughs> like that sure like let's summon demons <laughs> yeah yeah that that totally makes sense uh man I I want to be friends with uh Abe Lincoln's wife old uh, Mary Todd isn't that what you said Abe Lincoln yeah yeah, good old Mary Todd. I bet she was a fun person to be around. Seemed like it anyways. Anyways, you're up. 
<laughs> I that was another thing I did for this uh, with the whole like walkthrough of the episode or the movie and the cliff notes. I actually divided it into speaking roles so that it's not just me droning on for fucking ever. It's actually split up. So, uh, okay. So in between all of that, we're introduced to the aesthetics and logic of their world, um, where everything is just like really mixed up, like. And their family, um, what they value is completely different than what your average person would value. Like, their food is really nasty and wiggly and alive when they eat it. Hey, Wednesday, play with your food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and um, the kids are very much encouraged to be in competition with each other. Right. And... um, yeah, when you have a neighbor stop by, you can just, like, sword fight with them, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, the front gate of their house is somewhat... Alive? Yes. Um, yeah, it fucks with people as they, like, try and come in. Yeah. And they, um, isn't it just called gate? <laughs> yeah, I think They so. call them gate. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, there's Thing, which is just, like, a hand that's, like, running around. So, like, you can just imagine, like... You know, instead of, like, someone's dog, like, you know, trying to bite your ankles, you had a random hand just crawling up here into your lap. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, Thing is very funny. He's, he, uh, I mean, there's already a lot of comedy in this movie, but just Thing alone, like, is just... And it, I like how this movie just kind of jumps into it and doesn't, like, try and explain anything. Like, it, it treats you like an adult, basically. And, and it's just like, yeah, things are fucking weird in this house. Accept it, and we'll move on. Uh, true. Um, I think it speaks to just how the close-knit they are as a family. Like, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily need to invite in outsiders they like what they like and yeah that's that (laughs) right yeah very true i mean they they definitely enjoy visitors and enjoy like making friends and stuff but uh yeah the the that really is one of the big main themes of these two movies is your familial ties and how the people that are closest to you are the ones that are the most important so um, but anyway, so uh, we're also introduced early on to the relationship between all the family members, namely Morticia and Gomez, and then Wednesday and Pugsley, the two kids. Uh, Morticia, Morticia and Gomez, uh, in my opinion, are 100% relationship goals. Uh, the fact that their relationship is dark and demented definitely helps drive the point home that every successful couple has to have their own like special thing in order for their relationship to work. That's kind of what I got out of it. Like, you know, what's our special thing? Um, nerd shit. (laughs) I thought you were going to say this podcast and I was going to be like, Oh, okay. No, (laughs) I mean the, the podcast, like for us, like you and I is fairly new. Um, I mean, I'm loving it so far, but, um, I mean, it, it is fairly new. So, you know, longevity wise, the things that, you know, uh, make our relationship ours I'd say are like geeking out over stuff that I mean that's kind of what brought us together to begin with right like is is like we we had acquaintances and and whatnot when we first met that weren't really into the same stuff that we were and we discovered that like when we became friends we were like hey you like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and other nerdy shit like and I like all that stuff too so let's go watch those movies (laughs) so yeah um so yeah anyways uh so just speaking to the like relationship goals so there's a couple of languages apparently gomez and morticia are fairly familiar with yeah it's all the romantic languages like spanish french and italian namely yes apparently there's some yiddish in there as well okay what i understand all right yeah that makes sense um but Gomez calls Morticia Moncherie mm-hmm. a lot, which is my beloved. Yeah. And Morticia calls Gomez 
Bubble blah. <laughs> bubble blah. Bubble. 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 I think that's it. Yeah, which, that sounds right. Bubble. 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 Anyway, which is my darling in Yiddish. Mm-hmm. And those may or may not be exact translations. I looked it up. <laughs> don't come at me. <laughs> Uh, I don't speak anything other than English, which is sad. Um, so Tully Alford, which is the family's longtime lawyer, and his wife Margaret arrive at the Adams Mansion to pay Gomez a visit. Um, Margaret meets with Morticia about donating items to the charity auction, which the Adams are very generous. They give like some really old antique stuff mm-hmm. and. Um, without even like blinking an eye, they're just like, okay, here you go. <laughs> right. Um, first she's like going through like this wardrobe and she's like, it's, this is great uncle. Whoever's like summer wears, this is his winter wears. And this is great uncle. <laughs> I getting just wrapped up. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Tully speaks to Gomez about his plan to open a Fester Adams offshore retirement fund. That <laughs> fucking cracked me up. Yeah. Um, basically, this is just an attempt to get money because Tully really needs money to pay off some debts of his. Mm-hmm. And so he's hoping that Gomez is just going to hand him over some bunch of money and then he's going to use that to pay off his debts. And then I don't know what he's going to do when... Gomez comes around asking for his money. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, what's funny, or what I thought was funny, is that he probably could have just asked Gomez for the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then we wouldn't have a movie. So, yeah. But yeah, uh, that that is true because Gomez seems like a real stand-up guy. And um, he would just be like, okay, here you go. Um, so eventually... Um, Morticia and Margaret settle on this ancient Egyptian Chinese finger trap thing uh, to sell at the auction. And Margaret immediately gets her fingers stuck in it. Yep. (laughs) And has to request Wednesday to help her out um, getting unstuck. And in the following scene, we're introduced to Abigail Craven. She's a loan shark and... Tully owes her a lot of money. So this is the reason why um, he's trying to get the money for for the retirement fund. Right. Um, Tully eventually proposes the idea of Gordon disguising, which Gordon is Abigail's um, son, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so he proposes the idea of Gordon disguising himself as Gomez Um uh, as Gomez's estranged brother, Fester, in order to gain access to the family vault. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, y- you know, they, there's nothing really like, uh, I-, I don't think historical accuracy was in the forefront of their brains when they were making this movie. But when I saw the Chinese finger trap, it looked old. And I was like, like it got the, the wheels turned. I was like, like, I just know Chinese finger traps as like the the fun little toy you get from like prizes when you go play like arcade games and cash in your tickets. But I was like, are they a real thing? Like, was it actually like a like a torture device or was it just a party favor? And uh, so big shout out to um, uh, our good friend, Ashley. She was on. Was it? When was it? For the satanic panic episode for the stranger things yes um she is our good friend and she's a a badass historian she knows her shit um and i texted her earlier today i was like what can you tell me about the chinese finger trap um and she's like actually i don't know but let me consult my texts um and uh, i did a little bit of research on my own um and we kind of came up with the same thing she came up with a, a more um uh, informed uh, conclusion, but uh, long story short, uh, there's really no, like the, the first citation of a Chinese finger trap was in the late 1800s. Um, I mean, if it was going to be re- like 
historically accurate to the ch- Chinese culture, it would have been like before Christ. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's it's most likely just a, like a, a party favor type thing. Um, also, apologies if you hear our son. He is laughing like a friggin' maniac right now. So, Blue's Clues is hilarious. Yeah. Um, if you didn't know. Yeah, I don't he's doing he's in this phase right now where he, he loves to like fake laugh. Um I don't know if I should be concerned or not. <laughs> well, he definitely gets it from you. Is that right? Yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, I I do enjoy a good chuckle every now and then. But anyways, um so Tully and Margaret reluctantly join the Adams family to perform their annual séance led by Grandmama. Afterwards, Fester miraculously turns up on their doorstep along with Dr. Greta Pinderschloss, a German psychiatrist. She proceeds to explain explain that Fester has been lost in the Bermuda Triangle for the last 25 years and she found him in some like tuna nets, um, which is totally believable, by the way. Yeah, Um, I was on board from second one. Yeah, uh, it seems totally legit um so yeah there's there's that uh gomez wastes a very little time um in taking fester down to the vaults uh since that's where most of the items and uh, home movies from their childhood have been stored uh, it seems like everything of value is stored down there but uh it's kind of funny that they go down there and like kind of what you see first is just like family family heirlooms and stuff that probably doesn't have too much like monetary value um but uh one of the i mean this isn't related to to this part of the movie but um just a quick little um thing when uh pugsley you know he's got his collection of stop signs that is he's stealing and they see him coming down the stairs and they're all like oh 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 and <laughs> They're all waiting. You hear a car crash outside. And they're like, yeah. Thought it was pretty funny. Well, it's uh, good to encourage your children's hobbies. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I thought. So, I would also like to state that these children are weird, but they were not homeschooled. They were sent to public school because Lurch makes them lunch and sends them on their way. He does make them lunch. He is... Uh... But they might be on the spectrum because they both seem to have... Their special interest. Wednesdays happens to be the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> so um, she kind of tunes into uh, Fester's shenanigans mm-hmm. or fake Fester's shenanigans um, quicker than everyone else because she is uh, very well read about the Bermuda Triangle. Yes. So, yeah, uh, Gordon as Fester. His uh, first attempt to infiltrate the vault is pretty unsuccessful um, and is therefore yeeted out of the house via a trap door. Um, it's there that Morticia finds uh, finds him and reminds him of the, uh, she's like, walk with me. Uh, and she reminds him of the importance of family uh, to the Adamses while showing him all the grave sites of not just family, but the people that they've killed in the process um, and all the bodies that got buried. Um, because uh, like you just said, Lindsay, um, not only is Wednesday kind of hot on his tail already, but so is Morticia. Um, I, I think she she came around a little later. Right. Um, Yeah, Wednesday was definitely the first one to kind of notice. I think, like you said, it was because of the Bermuda Triangle thing. But uh, I forget exactly what sets off Morticia. um, But, yeah, she kind of clues in into the the weirdness pretty soon after as well. So, um, yeah. Uh, so next, uh, Gordon enlists the help of his mom. Um, again, she's disguised as Dr. Pender Slosh to convince Gomez that he's suffering from displacement, which is preventing him from accepting that Fester is finally black. <laughs> finally back. He's finally black. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, uh, this this was a very funny scene. Um, uh, during the scene, Pugsley and Wednesday, uh, they're practicing their fencing for a school play. Uh, Gordon uses this as an opportunity to kind of step up and adopt slash assume what he thinks some of Fester's mannerisms would be uh, in order to convince the kids uh, that he is who he says he is, Um, you know, because he wants to get that get that money, too. I honestly think um, that he saw the kids and was like, hey, I have some good insight into this I could give you guys some pointers like I honestly think like he really wanted to interact with them oh yeah I, I mean that yeah like I I do too like I mean it, it was I think it was a little bit of both um I, I had a, a few more notes like I was gonna say this is kind of low-key one of my favorite moments of the movie like it starts out as a bit of fun little deception but evolves into kind of a poignant moments um where you notice him having fun with the kids and it leads on to like him making that uh that prop for them uh for the the play that squirts out all the blood and yes and all that but yeah i I totally agree with you like you know i I think he was trying to kind of act more like fester uh but you know like you said he well, I feel like the relationship between his him and his mom, like, he obviously right. wants it to be, like, a close relationship, but it's really not. She's just kind of, like, using him, I guess, kind of. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess she doesn't get any real value, per se, for keeping him around for the last 25 years, but at the same time she's not going out of her way to like have a real relationship with him and like be like family. Right. Exactly. Okay. So despite Abigail advising against Gordon, um, attending the school play, um, Gordon goes anyway and he brings some props that he made with the vest that like squirts blood. Right. Uh, with him, um, and Abigail devises a plan that will hopefully result in them obtaining access to the vault. She informs the Adamses that Fester must unfortunately be moving on, and Gomez proposes that they throw him a goodbye party with the entire extended Adams family in attendance. Yep, um, and while uh, Abigail slash doctor is helping Gordon get ready for the party Wednesday, uh, she's right outside the room. Um, I'm assuming that she was going to like try or like go to get him for the party or see what was up. She overhears the two discussing their plan and decides to confront them. She is uh, then forced to flee uh, via the one of the trap doors. Uh, also a uh, nice touch i love how they have like his and hers trap doors like they're labeled with their names like yes. wednesday and pugsley i thought that was pretty funny um and i think there's like multiple sets of trap doors because i i'd have to rewatch it and pay attention to the two scenes but it seemed like they were flipped like the second time we saw the trap doors like they were all- I didn't notice that, but I know for sure that the first time they came out of Pugsley's door in the second, it was Wednesdays. Mm, okay. Well, I don't know. It gave me an excuse to watch it again. Um, let's see. So uh, during the party, Tully learns that uh, now, uh, now that Fester is back, he is the executor of the Adams estate and therefore technically owns the entire property. Um, he then devises uh, his what he calls Plan B, where he uh, he goes over to the neighbor's house and he's like, "Hey, uh, exactly how much do you hate the Adams and how much do you want them like gone?" Um, and he's like, "Keep talking." So basically, uh, Tully goes and gets a restraining order. Uh, to evict the Adams from their home, from their mansion. Uh, and the judge upholds this, uh, th- this ruling and this, um, this restraining order. Um, 
Oh, before that, sorry, I, I jumped a little too ahead. Um, you know, uh, Wednesday is basically, or she wasn't on the run, but, you know, she flew out the trap door and they're like looking for her. Uh, this isn't a huge plot point, but one thing I thought was kind of funny is like they're, they're assigning like, hey, you, you check this part of the property, you check this part of the property. And uh, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but it was, there was kind of like a long pause. So I was like, maybe, uh, where, um, Gomez says to thing like thing, you take the swamp. And I was like, swamp thing. (laughs) So that was a, that was kind of a, a funny little catch. Like I said, not sure if it was intentional or not, but it was funny. Um, so now that the family has been, they do find Wednesday, by the way. Mm-hmm. And um, now that the family is forced to move into a motel and find jobs to make money, um, Morticia finds a job as a um, child care provider, like a daycare teacher. I yeah, that, that's kind of what it seemed like. Um, and she is like reading to preschoolers, which is <laughs> quite humorous. Right. Um, yeah, she's reading like Hansel and Gretel and she's clearly taking the side of the witch. Yeah. And the poor kids are crying. Yeah, like, I was like, oh, good old 90s, uh, like, early 90s filmmaking uh, where, like, you could get away with, like, I don't know what they, they had to do something to make a whole classroom full of kids, like, start crying. So, (laughs) like, because these aren't, like, old enough to be considered, like, child actors. They're all just, like, kids that had, like, one scene in a movie. So, it's like, like... (laughs) Like, and they all start crying. It's like at least 10 or 12 of them, right? So yeah. it's like, what the hell? They just, I don't know. Anyways. Uh, so Pugsley and Wednesday are selling uh, poison lemonade. <laughs> um, a thing becomes a package courier. And Morticia is heartbroken over Gomez's lamenting and depression. So she decides to visit... Um, Gordon slash Fester. Yeah, to confront him about the situation. Uh, she's then apprehended and tortured by Abigail and Tully um, to get her to tell them how to access the vault. It's now that we learn that Thing has tailed Morticia, discovers she's being tortured, and reports back to Gomez uh, to for- inform him uh, via hilarious Morse code uh, upon hearing her of her capture, he immediately springs into action. Yeah, this was fucking funny. Like he's like this whole kind of sequence of them like getting jobs. Like you know the it, um, the kids were selling the lemonade, and uh, Lurch is like their only customer. And behind him is like the that old tombstone billboard and. Uh, and the, their their slogan like what what do you want on your tombstone? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just thought it was funny with like him being in the forefront and that being in the background. I that was funny. Um, and then like you know thing goes and gets a job as like the FedEx courier, and you see like the FedEx like old FedEx logo. Um, and then when he's like he's first like isn't he doing like sign language like at yes, first yes uh, I figured because uh, like when I was reading the the Wikipedia summary it said like he was using Morse code and I was like wait a second really because uh, I know he like tried a bunch of different things yeah he was trying so, to write but he was like too upset to write right he's like I you know I can't understand you when you're stuttering <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that was that was very funny. So Gomez arrives uh, and has yet another fencing match with Tully, who actually comes close to besting Gomez. Um, And then Abigail's constant verbal abuse and manipulation towards Gordon pushes him to his tipping point, where he unleashes a hurricane from one of the books on the shelves. Um, We kind of got a a, a quick, uh, I I guess, uh, I don't know. This is a technically a callback to the the first time he picks up the book when he's not quite uh, or when he first like claims to be Gomez or uh Fester sorry um and he opens up the book and just wind hits him in the face yeah um and 
so yeah, uh, he opens up the book and uh, it basically just becomes a giant hurricane inside that that wing of the mansion. Um, and while Tully and Abigail are yeeted out of the house uh, through the window, uh, lightning strikes uh, Gordon slash Fester in the head. Uh, and then cut to seven months later, we learn that uh, that lightning strike managed to jog Gordon's lost memories. And apparently he really is Uncle Fester and he was really was lost in the Bermuda Triangle. Um Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, I rewatched it today and I paid extra special attention to this part and I could not for the life of me figure out if this was supposed to like be real and you're, you just have to accept it or like, because they had this, like Gomez had this look on his face, like it really is strange. <laughs> like, like they were trying to convince him that he was fester when he's, like really not fester i don't Um, know i I, think i think it comes more to the fact that fester has slash gordon has mm -hmm. decided he wants to be a part of their family and they've just decided that they're going to accept him as part of their family that's kind of so yeah that's kind of what i've bought into um but i mean if if that's really the way it goes uh that you know uh, the lightning strike really jogged part of his memory and that he really was, uh, you know, picked up by, uh, what's her name? Um, I, 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 I think tuna nets, it's then. more like the lightning hit him and made him like weird, like the rest of the family. And so he's just like, eh, yeah. fit in now. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think this is necessarily supposed to be something you ponder on too much. No. <laughs> M- much. I think it's probably best you not. Right, exactly. Uh, and then the film closes with um, uh, Morticia saying that she's expecting a third child. So, yay, congrats to Morticia and Gomez. So, uh, so yeah, that was The Addams Family uh, from 1991. Um Lindsay, you said that you liked this a little bit more than Adam's Family Values. Yes. Is uh, is there any particular reason why? You just kind of like, yeah, in general. I just liked it a little better. I thought it was a little less slapstickish. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just liked it. I mean, Adam's Family Values. It has some like funny moments, and I can see as a kid, it might be the reverse because. Sure. Adam's Family Values has a lot more funny moments and a mm. lot more interaction with the kids. Yeah. But I don't know. I just like this one better. Sure. No, I, I, I think out of the two, this this one might be a little bit stronger. Um, but yeah, uh, Adam's Family Values, which we're getting into now, uh, is still a fantastic movie. Uh, so we open the movie more or less with Morticia going into labor and giving birth to baby Pubert, uh, who already has a mustache, which is really impressive. And a head full of hair. Yeah. And it's um, parted and right. gelled. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all, all that, like just straight out the womb. Like, you know, he already had all that going on, which, you know, kudos to him. Uh, Wednesday and Pugsley conduct a string of attempts to assassinate the baby. Um, I don't know why I chose the word assassinate. I thought it'd be funny. Um, initially Morticia and Gomez chalked this up to, uh, you know, just average, uh, sibling rivalry, but eventually give in to hiring a nanny to watch over pubert uh, to prevent any further, uh, potential catastrophes. Okay, so I'd just like to add a little side note that I read, and you probably read this somewhere too, but... So the name Pubert was originally supposed to be Pugsley's name in, like, the 1960s version. Yeah. But they thought it was too sexual, so (laughs) they changed his name to Pugsley. Yeah. And so I guess now in 1994, they can get away with Pubert. (laughs) Yeah, I did read that in the trivia too. It's supposed to be... uh, Kind of alluding to like puberty, right? Which would obviously fit Pugsley better since he's closer much to closer it. to puberty, right? Yeah, <laughs> than that's, a baby. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, though I don't know. He's got a mustache, so who knows? <laughs> right. Yeah, that definitely tracks. Um, also, speaking of which, poor... Um, what's his name? Um, Raul Julia and... Um, and Jimmy Workman, uh, they, I mean, Jimmy, he passed away a little bit later on, but, uh, just a year after this movie came out, Raul Julia passed away. I, I can't remember what it was from, but, uh, he was, he, uh, he went on to say that he lo- like, this was his favorite role that he did and he acted for a long time. Um, he was, I think in his fifties when this movie came out. Um, and like, he would love, like, just be walking down the street and kids would recognize him and, um, like he would love to like do the accents and, and all that and, you know, act like the role of, uh, Gomez. Um, so I, I thought that was very endearing. Um, yes. um okay. yeah, anyways. So, um, after a round of nannies, um, they had a little montage of, <laughs> Several nannies not working out. Can't imagine why they wouldn't fit in with this family. Right. Yeah. Um, so weird. They interview Debbie Jelinski, um, who appears bubbly, but she's able to tolerate the family just fine. Um, yeah. She, it, she like it climbs up or not a uh, thing climbs up her back and lands on her shoulder and instead of being like freaked out she just straight up sucks on his finger like his index finger yeah that's yeah. what i was talking about with like has a lot more like sexual like <laughs> yeah i was lo- like i i forgot about that part i was like whoa <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> yeah anyways um and similar to how uh, she was suspicious of Fester in the first movie, Wednesday becomes really suspicious of Debbie's intentions, um, especially when it comes to her relationship with Fester. Um, Debbie is quick to pick up on this and manages to convince Gomez and Morticia to send them to summer camp. Camp Chippewa. Yeah, she was real quick about that. She was like, she she knew like Wednesday, like they were... I mean, they'd be best friends if they weren't enemies. (laughs) Um, uh, She was like, yeah, I need to get these fucking kids out the house. Um, So uh, apparently the Adamses must have pretty good connections. I mean, they they live in that big ass house. Um, I I don't know if they're immortal and have been around for a long time, but uh, I mean, they must have some money. Apparently uh, they're, yeah independently wealthy for several generations yeah i don't know why i said they must have some money because clearly they have a lot of money they have a fucking vault right uh but yeah so they they send their kids to uh camp chippewa uh upon arriving at the camp pretty much everyone in the family uh is horrified by the overall cheeriness of everyone but none more than wednesday and pugsley because they actually have to stay and endure it they're introduced to Gary and Becky Granger, uh, the two head counselors, as well as Amanda Buckman, who might be so peppy that she could give you diabetes. Uh, <laughs> uh, the only person that doesn't seem to be repulsed by the Adams is, is Joel Glicker, a nerdy bookworm and fellow outcast. Uh, and he is also um, the, the head elf from the Santa Claus. Yes. Um, I don't, I wasn't sure. I know sometimes it can be hit or miss for you on recognizing like actors, like either younger or older than the roles that they're known for. Uh, I would also like to say that um, Amanda is not actually nice. She's fake. Two-faced. Yes. She's, yeah, very two-faced, very um, snobbish and snotty, like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's, you know. yeah, uh, if you were not popular in school uh, and got picked on by the popular kids, she is your worst fucking nightmare. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, back at the Adams estate, um, things are escalating quickly between Fester and Debbie. After only one ridiculously awful date, the two <laughs> get engaged and married soon after. After I mean, promising not to have sex until their wedding night which right. they're both virgins by the way <laughs> yes which is is totally believable for fester uh i 
yeah, I, I don't know how he managed to, well, yeah, I do ma- understand how he got suckered into believing she was a virgin. <laughs> Uh, during the honeymoon, uh, Debbie attempts to um, kill poor Fester by throwing the biggest boombox in the bathtub. Um, it was <laughs> so big. Yeah, she's like really mad that he did not die. Yeah. But keep in mind, Fester's been hit by lightning and he's just fine. Right. So upon <laughs> returning home, Debbie forbids Fester from seeing or communicating with his family Um no doubt in an attempt to make killing him easier mm-hmm. um, and also to make manipulating him easier so yep. she can get the money. Yep. Cut all ties. That is uh, a very uh, one of the first steps in the manipulator's handbook, I'm assuming. <laughs> Seems like it. Again, what's really funny is like she probably could have just said, hey, give me some money. And they probably would have just gave her some money. And she would have went away. <laughs> right. But then they couldn't call her like the Black Widow. True. Yeah. Um, so back at camp, Pugsley and Wednesday are continuously berated by the world's worst camp counselors and the cuntiest 10-year-old. Um, seriously, these camp counselors are the worst. Like, like they're standing in line to like practice archery and like... Uh, what's her name Amanda or whatever she like she fires and gets the um, you know the the bullseye or whatever and like the kid right behind her uh, behind her like he just he picks it up and before he can even like really raise it he's like come on I was like you motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> like he's such an asshole um, and uh uh, but Joel decides to show off his card collection of infamous and famous uh, killers, serial killers, one of which displays a woman closely resembling Debbie as the Black Widow. So, hmm, the plot thickens. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, after multiple attempts of trying to get the kids involved in like camp activities like swimming and archery and um, all the other camp related things mm-hmm. um gary and becky force wednesday pugsley and joel to sit and watch disney movies and musicals for what seems like a very long time yes the hills are alive with the sound of music <laughs> yes as well as like the brady bunch and mm-hmm. annie and yeah a bunch of other like really sugary sweet movies yeah um after their time spent in this um harmony hut as they called it <laughs> um <laughs> They are somewhat reformed, or are they? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Debbie's latest attempt to whack Fester involves giving him a giant gift wrap box um, with a bunch of explosives in it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, there's nothing, like, menacing about any of that. Like, it's like, here, I got you this big gift, but don't peek. Also, I'm leaving for just a few minutes, but I'm going to take these two suitcases with me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so what happens, uh, next is possibly, uh, the best scene in the entire movie. It's at least my favorite. Uh, parents are in attendance for the first Thanksgiving play that the campers are putting on at the, the, the summer camp. Which, okay, look, I was a camp counselor and I want to know why they're putting on a Thanksgiving play at the end of camp. So this is July. What what the hell are you putting on a Thanksgiving play for? Uh, I th- honestly, I think it makes sense because like they are fleshing out what's his name's vision. The the camp counselor, whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, like they are they are making his vision come to life. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, because that dude is a, a super douche. Um, but anyways, uh, so yeah, we got Becky Granger as the, the lead, uh, Pilgrim and Wednesday as Pocahontas. Um, and we have Wednesday playing Pocahontas, uh, very, very nicely. I mean, I don't know if this was necessarily an accurate portrayal, but, uh, yeah, she, uh, things are pretty on script up until the official invitation is extended to the Native Americans. 
um, from the pilgrims. And Wednesday begins to deliver a speech uh, that more closely resembles the relationship between them and the settlers, uh, <laughs> historically speaking. You have taken the land which is rightfully ours. Years from now, my people will be forced to live in mobile homes, on reservations. Your people will wear cardigans and drink highballs. We will sell our bracelets by the roadsides. You will play golf and enjoy hot hors d'oeuvres. My people will have pain and degradation. Your people will have stick shifts. The gods of my tribe have spoken. They have said, do not trust the pilgrims, especially Sarah Miller. Gary, she's changing the word. The Native American children proceed to wreck the set by setting it ablaze, <laughs> um, throwing pies at the audience as well as the camp counselors. They um, shoot f the two fire arrows at the counselors. Yes, they do shoot fire arrows. In the little hobbit hole. <laughs> yes. Um, they also try to burn Becky at the stake. Um Debbie, uh, meanwhile, um, back at the mansion, Debbie is partying hard with some sailors at a bar waiting for her bomb to go off. Mm -hmm. um, she then drives home just in time to watch the bomb go off and blow up the house with Fester in it. Yep. To her dismay, Fester comes running out of the house to greet her. This is when she drops the act completely and spills the beans about her plan as Debbie attempts to shoot Fester dead. Uh, Thing shows up again. Um, I don't know what these people would do without Thing. I don't know where he came from or how they got him, but or how he drives with just one hand. Like he was alternating between like the gas and uh, the accelerator and the steering wheel, which I mean is impressive. But I don't, um, you know. Once again, it's a disembodied hand, so a willing uh, suspension of disbelief is required. <laughs> On, yes. on the uh, the the users um, or the the viewers. Well, I'm just talking about they should be really thankful for him because he rescued Morticia right. back in the first movie, and right. now he's coming to the rescue again. Yeah, he's he's like the superhero of he's this on movie, it. right? Um, yeah, when uh, when Debbie, I noticed. I don't know if you did you notice Tony Shalhoub's uh, appearance in in the bar when they were singing Macho Man. No. Um, I figured you might because uh, you used to watch Monk all the time. Or I guess your mom did and you watched it with her. But um, yeah, anyways. Uh, so yeah, they escape uh, with, um, with him as the getaway driver uh, back at camp. We have a touching moment, pun intended, uh, between Wednesday and Joel uh, before she and Pugsley escape in one of the camp vans. Uh, yeah, Wednesday and Joel, they, they share like a little peck through the fence. Uh, we cut back to the Adams Estates where basically everyone has the big sad due to uh, Fester um, and his, you know, him, you know, stating, hey, I want nothing to do with you. Uh, which, of course, wasn't really his true words. Morticia re... Uh, reads the cat in the hat to baby pubert and unfortunately the cat lives at the end <laughs> you know she's reading she reads only like you know one or two passages from it and she, you see her flip to the end and she's like oh the cat lives <laughs> i thought that was a funny touch um However, spirits are lifted when Fester arrives back home and he admits that he didn't want to wish away his family, that it was all Debbie's doing, then enters the kids back from camp and they're like, well, isn't this a glorious reunion? Uh, but then Debbie finds her way into the mix with a, I guess, a sawed off shotgun. I'm not good with guns, but it looks like a shotgun with a, a shortened barrel. Um... I'm unsure of how this happens. Uh, once again, suspension of disbelief. But she convinces everyone in the family, which is a lot of people, by the way, uh, to get into uh, get strapped into electric chairs, including Thing. Yes, uh, like all of them. 
So the four, like the the five family members, the grand grand nana, uh, Fester, um, Lurch, and uh, and Thing. Yes, that's a lot of people that I think could have overtaken her with with a gun, considering that like the, this family seems to be undead. <laughs> Maybe. So then Debbie goes on a tirade. She basically explains her evil plan Mm -hmm. um, as well as her past, explaining how she's killed all of her ex-husbands because they couldn't meet her needs. Uh, Grandmama um, hilariously mocks her. (laughs) Um, During her ramblings, we see baby Pubert, who was not in the electric chair, roaming around the house with a bowling ball. The bowling ball lands just so that it launches Pubert into the air and then into the room with the rest of the family. As Debbie attempts to flip the switch, he reverses the electric current and fries Debbie like Popeye's chicken. Yep. Basically just turns her into a pile of ash, more or less, right? Yes. Except for her shoes. Yeah, I mean, it was like, you know, it was like a... Not... Infinity War all over again. (laughs) She got dusted. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Sucks for her. Sucks to be you, nerd. (laughs) Um, So we close out the film with a shot of Margaret and Cousin It. uh, uh, Margaret, we haven't really talked about her too much. Um, She was the wife to... um, Oh, what's his name in the first movie? Uh, Tully. uh, Who... she, She wasn't really a fan of the Adams Family... Uh, but then I, I guess during Fester's like going away party in the first one, yes. she kind of, she s- falls for it. Right. Yeah. Uh, good old cousin. It kind of sounds like beaker. Um, but uh, yeah, they, uh, the two of them, her and cousin it arrive at the house with their new nanny named dementia in tow, who also uh, happens to be, uh, big and bald, just like Uncle Fester. Yes. Um, we get a uh, get a fun closing scene with Gomez giving this amazing, um, you know, short and sweet speech, and uh, and then kind of a an appropriate closing scene with Wednesday scaring the shit out of. Um, uh, out of what's his name from the camp, um, Joel. Joel. Yeah, um, I don't think she kills him, but you know she talks about how she would just uh, she would scare her husband to death or something like that. Yes, um, and it like it just closes on her face, like just smiling, um, which I, I guess might be a little bit of a callback to uh, earlier in the movie when. Like she kind of had to force herself to smile after coming out of the harmony hut. The harmony hut um, to convince them that she was like converted or whatever that she was now happy. Um, And it seems fitting, like I said, because we have the Wednesday show coming out soon. Yes, and she obviously is the central character. We'll have a new Uncle Fester, which. uh, I guess I don't know um, exactly uh, how this storyline ties into the storyline from this. If they're kind of doing their own thing, I'm assuming they're just kind of doing their own thing. But it's still based on some of the lore because Uncle Fester like comes back, um, like it, he's still like uh, presumed like missing or whatever, and he comes back and she finds him. So, um, yeah. I'm uh, I'm really excited for it. Are you excited? Oh yeah, thrilled. <laughs> I can't tell if that's sarcasm or not. I mean, I honestly didn't know anything about it. Yeah, I knew nothing about it until basically today. Uh, I am excited about Wakanda Forever next weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super will, excited about <clears> it. That will be our next episode. Um, we. I think we'll actually be able to go see it together in the theater. Like, uh, we definitely wanted to go see it in the movies. Um, you know, we didn't want to wait until 
streaming or whatever. Uh, and we were even talking about like, like, uh, double Dutch, like tag in, tag out where you would go see it and then come home and then I'd go see it because no person in their right mind would want to watch our kids. But alas, we did find a neighbor, um, who also has kids on the spectrum who offered to watch our children for a couple hours. Yes. We'll so. see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully uh, everyone's still alive when we come back. That would be most excellent. Yes. Uh, yeah. So since this episode, it, actually it didn't run too long, but yeah, we'll, we'll skip shit that doesn't suck uh, for this one um, and call that's it good, a day. That's good because I don't have anything. <laughs> well, that's good. It, it works out then. Um, but yeah, listeners, thank you for tuning in. Go subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a rating and review uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, um, and uh, I think there's a couple other places. Who the hell uses Stitcher? Uh, not too many places, but I just I mentioned Stitcher because it's there really isn't a whole lot of podcast apps out there that allow um, reviews, reviews yeah. and ratings. But um, yeah, uh, donate to our Patreon if uh, you're interested in throwing us a couple bucks. Um, but uh, yeah, that's gonna be it. Uh, as always, be kind, stay geeky, and eat lots of cheesecake. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.